Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever it is you're coming from. Thanks for joining. I am super excited to be back with my next episode of Rewarding Conversations, as I am here with another rambling series. And I'm going to let my guest introduce myself. Go right ahead. Hi, I'm Josh Fleming, and I am the creator of Backyard Zombie Productions. Very cool. I'm excited for this because I know um, I know a decent bit about your channel. Um, I follow your channel on Instagram. I will have all the links and descriptions below. But um, for all the listeners out there, before we get into the good old fashioned rambling series, tell us a little bit more about Backyard Zombie Productions. Like, what are you? What do you do? What are you involved with? And where can people find you? Uh, well, Backyard Zombie Productions was my way of kind of making my portfolio of prop making and productions and theater stuff stand out just a little bit more. I'm obsessed with like campy horror. So I really wanted like, as you see from my logo, it's it's fun, it's campy, but it's also horror. Um, I'm mostly using it as a platform to make props, do uh, independent film and Anything and everything that involves like stuff I really enjoy and what I'm hoping my audience will enjoy. Uh, I once read that if you want your content to be good for you, it's got to be content that you yourself would watch. So I'm trying to make content that I myself, because I'm, I'm subscribed to like hundreds of people that do the same things I'm doing. But I'm like, okay, how do I up my game a little bit? How do I inspire others to go out and make something? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I agree with that. Um, why I started rewarding conversations is I love to have conversations with people. I love to meet new people, different backgrounds, different ways of thinking. I love learning things. Um, so I could not agree more with that. Um, let's talk about the origins. You know, you love horror, you love mm -hmm. props, you love costumes, you love all that kind of stuff. Where did that come from? How did that start from you? Was this a very early thing or did it develop a little bit later? When I was in high school, my favorite YouTube channel was um, Backyard FX, which was uh, through Indie Mogul. And I remember like every Monday coming home and watching Eric Beck make something. And I got into that doing that. And then um, years later, I started working professionally in theater doing props. And so I wanted to like kind of mix that. I missed the fun part and then also doing the horror part and doing um, like I recycle a lot of like my props to make other props. So I like doing that. And I just thought I want to start doing this like as a as a channel that's really cool um i think a lot of people have passions for things or things that they're maybe like interested in mm -hmm. but that's it it stops there mm -hmm. you know it's like oh well i love for me it was like i love film and it just stopped there for a long time. And I was like, well, I love it so much. And I have all these ideas. Why don't I write scripts? Why don't I make films? Mm -hmm. You know, I love conversations with people. Why don't I have a podcast doing this? And I love that you said, I love these things. So I want to be actively involved in them. Mm -hmm. I want to be creating and developing. And um, what was that actual initial process for you? Like, because I'm very interested in this. When I started a podcast, I remember my very first thought was, well, who's going to care? Who's going to listen to my content? You know, I was originally on YouTube. I was like, who's going to watch my videos? You know, there's a big leap that happens when you do that initial, okay, I'm going to try this, right? Mm -hmm. But that, you know, things creep into the mind. And I'm wondering, did that happen to you? The whole, like, who's going who's gonna to care about this content? Or was it for the, you know, did you think, no, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it all the way? I think for a lot of people, COVID hit hard. Yeah. And I remember when everything shut down, I was in... I was in a dark place and I was like, if the world goes back to normal, where do I want to be? Yeah. And I was tired and I was, I said to myself, this is what I want to do. So my, the first episode of Backyard Zombie, that's not even on Backyard Zombie. It's on um, my actual YouTube channel. I called it Josh Builds. And that was the first thing I made. I, I looked around my house because I couldn't go shopping. So I was like, what can I build with what I have? 
and I made an episode. I learned how to edit with a, with an app. I filmed it myself. I think my dad's in it for a little bit and I made something. I'm like, you know what? I want to do this like as a, as a hobby. So, and that's when I started my own YouTube channel and I called it Backyard Zombie. That's awesome. Um, this, my podcast was born out of COVID as well. Mm -hmm. It was born out of me saying, Hey, I want to do this. And now I have the time to do this because, uh, you know, I was working from home and things like, I was like, I have all this time, you know? Um, but it's, it's tough. It's tough to kind of build uh, a brand and it's tough to build kind of recognition. And one thing I wanted to touch on is, um, you know, your, I really like your logo. Number one, you have a really fun logo. So how did, how did that develop? Is that something that you made yourself or did you outsource that to somebody else? So my original logo was made with a bunch of PDFs and PNGs of like a license plate, blood splatter, and just random apps to make. And it's like, just like, Oh, it's a, it's a square yellow logo. It's his backyard zombie. It's got bullet holes and blood. But I knew going in that I wanted a logo that was professionally done. So I actually went to my uh, buddy Vince, who is at Chen's Art. Uh, he's all over my Instagram. And I said, hey, Vince, you're really talented. This is my idea. And he ran with it with a, a sketch I did on an index card. And then he showed me the first proof. And I was like, what is that? Because it, it, to me, like I can say like, oh, yeah, I really love my logo. But I love my logo. Yeah. I think it looks like this weird kind of like skateboard, like – Remember zero, the zero boards yeah. are like element. It reminds, it looks like something you would slap on a skateboard. And yeah. for me, that I just love it. I That's the best thing. You'll always see me wearing my, I, I know people are like, why are you wearing your own logo? And I'm like, cause I love my logo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun. You're wearing the backyard zombie <laughs> shirt right now. It's, it's really great. And, um, once again, to cover for the listeners out there, um, Josh's, um, Instagram channel is backyard zombie 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where you can find him on Instagram. Um, definitely recommend checking out. It's really great for pop culture stuff, um, scenery, prop stuff, horror stuff, behind the scenes stuff. You, you cover a lot of different bases, mm -hmm. right. On your channel. So, um, you know, a lot of people kind of say, you know, focus on one thing, focus on one thing you do within that kind of artsy kind of world, you, but you do a bunch of different mm -hmm. stuff. So what was that decision to do a bunch of different passions of yours rather than just one singular focus? I didn't want to be just categorized in some niche, like, like even like if you go looking for like proper DIY people, they have like their own niche things. Um, and I just wanted to have multiple content for multiple people for multiple interests like i want my channel to be like even i have videos that are like not as kid friendly but then i have ones that are kid friendly yeah um and i i have so many interests and passions and i think it's more of me like saying how far can i go with something like either it's costumes or props or like i'm even dabbling in like finishing resin printing and doing 3d printing i've never done i'm not an engineer but I was like, I, I'm I'm literally buying prints off Etsy, having them delivered to my house, and finishing them myself. So I want to film that and be like, this you can do this if you just have the drive to do it. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of your kind of knowledge is self taught. Um, mm -hmm. You know, during this whole COVID you know process in particular, what do you hope for for the future? Where do you want this to take you? Where do you see this going ideally? I would love to be able to wake up and just love what I'm doing. And I do love what I'm doing, but I want, like, obviously everyone wants to, you know, make some money on the side or do this or do that. Um, right now I'm working on an independent short for the first, I, I've, I've only done acting and being the producer of it, it's a whole different ballgame. So I would love to grow into like eventually do maybe doing a full feature or maybe doing, having a brand that people like, like. 
So just keep growing is what I really want to do for 2000, uh, 2022 and on. Yeah. You just kind of want to have your hand in a bunch of different mm-hmm. stuff and learn as much as possible. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I get from you. Um, but also like be educational, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that's really cool. And I'm glad that we got to talk about that. I want to, I want to cover for my audience right now, because I didn't mention this in the beginning, but this is the old school rambling that I haven't gotten to do in a long time, which is why I'm so excited because Josh is sitting right across the table from me. We are live right now. I'm going to have some really cool pictures and videos and stuff to come out with this um, that I'm super excited about. But one of my favorite things about doing this podcast early on was I would get to do live episodes with my friends and stuff like that. And that was really cool for me. It's it's different to be talking to somebody through a computer than to actually be sitting across the table from somebody having a conversation. Uh, so I really appreciate you coming in and having this conversation because – uh, this is so much more of the kind of ideal experience, right? Like, I, you know, love this. Um, so for the audience out there, just want everybody to know how excited I am uh, to be here with Josh back here at Zombie Productions. Um, now that we've kind of covered the kind of intro of what you do and everything, want to get into a bunch of the rambling stuff, yes. just a bunch of the conversational fun stuff. Um, number one, I have to talk about it, horror. I'm mm-hmm. a huge horror fan. Uh, it's something that has been a part of my life since I was a little kid. Uh, my favorite horror film is the original Halloween. Mm-hmm. It is my absolute favorite. I think it's like the mecca of, you know, creation and, you know, um, thought process and composing and just creating a whole new type of villain. Um, For you, what is it about horror that you love? What are some of your favorites? You know, things like that. Um, Horror movies, like you have horror as a a genre, but it's all about the subgenres for me. Like, when I say I'm a horror fan and you come at me and say, oh, The Conjuring is my favorite movie, I'm like, eh. I like campy horror, especially 80s campy horror. Sleepaway Camp. Yes, exactly. Sleepaway Camp, uh, Return of the Living Dead. My favorite, obviously, the trilogy that, like, defines everything I do is The Evil Dead. Yeah. Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. I just, for some reason, Evil Dead 2, uh, as the, like, for Evil, Evil Dead 2 isn't the best one for me because it's it's got everything. It's got horror comedy camp it's super fun yeah um i do a lot of evil dead props blah 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 but i i don't know i especially like new horror is amazing uh i think the big movie that i was really that caught me off guard that i love so much was uh 2021's psycho gorman mm-hmm. which was just a love letter to like the sentai shows like mortal um i'm sorry mighty morphin power rangers where everything was practical and yeah. it's ridiculous i love ridiculous horror yeah yeah, I I got introduced to campy B movie, I guess mm. if you will, type of films with the Toxic Avenger as yes. when I was young. Um, not a movie I should have been watching at all <laughs> as a kid, but I I remember I found it. And I remember I found like a VHS and popped it in. And even as a kid, I was like, "What is this? What is this absurdity?" But I loved it. Mm. You know, it's so ridiculous and it's so over the top. Um, you know, but as a kid, I loved it. Now I haven't watched it in forever, but like, I remember that was kind of my introduction, you know, to that kind of campiness and, and all that. But, you know, when I got a little bit older, you know, I, the original Halloween, I love, you know, and I have respect mm-hmm. for like nightmare. I was never Friday the 13th fan ever. Um, that just, that Summer never, slashers. it never scared me ever. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, films nowadays, horror went through a really bad thing in like the nineties where it just kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like nobody was really doing it. And then of course everybody credits, you know, Wes Craven scream, bringing horror back to mm-hmm. like the big screen at least. Um, but in the past couple of years, I am fully on that bandwagon of 
the changing of horror and how and how it has changed from almost like dramatic horror like hereditary is Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things i've ever seen it follows the babadook Mm -hmm. um i think this is really good stuff um but i also like when it pokes fun at itself i was just talking with somebody yesterday about cabin in the woods love cabin in the woods and okay so like i feel like i could do a whole episode on cabin in the woods because Mm -hmm. i know people that are like this is dumb i don't get it and i'm like you absolutely don't get it because i feel like you only get it if you get it right Mm -hmm. um and i love that almost notion of like well cabin in the woods can almost explain every horror film ever made yep like where do all of these this is so ridiculous where do these bad guys come from it's like well we find out you find out where they come from a thing underground because they're necessity and they have to be here you know or Mm -hmm. else the world's going to end right um so does your kind of taste in horror kind of vary by your your mood what you're what you're in the mood for or do you kind of have your genre and you know what you like are you open to other genres like are there different types of horror that you like or is it mostly just the campy honestly i'm open to all genres like uh for anybody who loves horror movies and if you don't have shutter get shutter yeah because they release exclusive movie content almost like weekly so last night I started, I was a little tired. I started watching um, The Last Thing Mary Saw, and it's very just straight, dark horror. There's another one coming out, and it's it's slipping me, but it's about a clairvoyant social worker, and oh. it looks really good. I believe it just dropped, but I've been binging through all their exclusive horror. There was one that was called Spiral, but it's not the Saw movie, and it's about a, uh, a gay couple moving into this small town, and there's something wrong with these this small town, but there's a huge twist at the end, and I didn't see it coming. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And then for the comedy horror lovers, Slacks, S-L-A-X-X, is about killer jeans. Like, like rubber? Is it about like a... No, like jeans you wear. Yeah. And it they're alive. And they're killer. Just watch it. It, I li- I it like, sounds ridiculous. Just watch it. Just watch it. <laughs> just watch it. Trust me. You you will love it. And then um during COVID, the shutdown, Shutter released a movie actually like three months early called Blood Quantum, which is hands down the one of the best zombie movies in the last ten years. Um, and it's about the indigenous people of Canada in the 1970s and the zombie apocalypse happens and they're immune. If they're indigenous, you're immune. So there's this huge allegory. Oh, wow. It's very like I, I would compare it as as being as like important as Night of the Living Dead, the original 68 film yeah. and what it talked about where the zombies aren't the monsters. Yeah. So this movie is about these indigenous people of Canada and there's it. it it's really dark and it's really, really good. Yeah. That's what I liked at least early on about the show, the walking dead on mm-hmm. um, the later seasons. I just, I was completely checked out, but the early stuff bringing back that notion of, well, the most dangerous thing isn't the walkers. It's mm-hmm. not the zombies. It's the people. Yep. Um, and it's how people react and respond to these violent situations. And I think in horror, that's often what the most interesting thing is because you always have the people that are like, hey, let's split up. And you're like, come, are you kidding me? Like, why would some... And you always have the people that be like, hey, let's do this or let's go here. Let's. And you're like, I can't... And everybody always makes, you know, immediately thinks, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't do that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Who would do that, you know? So the human response is very interesting, um, mm-hmm. you know, for these types of projects and films. Something that I saw this year that I really loved was St. Maud. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an A24 film. I love A24. I love what they do, but it was called St. Maud, and it's about a woman who um, 
she's kind of lost as a person. She's a young woman. And then she feels like she, God speaks directly to her mm-hmm. and starts telling her to do these things and how to quote unquote care for people. Um, and she becomes like a caregiver to an older woman and God's telling her to do these things, you know, to this woman. And she's like, no, I don't want to do these things, but I have to listen to God. And, and then you're like, oh, well this, you know, this woman's crazy. <laughs> and then as the film goes on, you go, well, is she crazy? Or like, mm-hmm. is God actually speaking to her? You know? So it's, that's a really interesting one. Last year it was Possessor. That mm-hmm. was an incredible film with Christopher Abbott uh, that I thought was really, really brilliant. And I guess kind of the, the, the focal point for me is that horror has become really elevated recently. Mm-hmm. Like I think people, the seventies and eighties was great for horror and it was just such an incredible time. And then people wrote it off because they said, okay, I had enough of this. I had enough mm-hmm. of this campiness and ridiculousness and, you know, the situations that people never ever find themselves in. And then horror became really kind of elevated. And I think that brought back interest in it mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And then that interest created the room for can't be hard to make a comeback. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and for people to be able to appreciate it yeah. again. And then you have, like we said, cabin in the woods, which is like rides that line between like, this is so campy and ridiculous and it makes fun of itself. But it's also like, these people are genuinely scared and afraid and they don't know what to do, you know, mm-hmm. but it kind of explains everything. So, um, people that just kind of write it all. Oh, I don't like horror movies. I'm like, well, what have you watched? Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh, I've never really watched a horror. And I'm like, you can't say that. Yep. Like, you can't say that. Like, give it a try. Cause you don't know what kind mm-hmm. you're going to like. And I think it's one of just the absolute most versatile genres that's ever mm-hmm. existed. Maybe the most versatile genre that's ever existed, mm-hmm. you know, with, with films. So, um, what is it that, you know, you personally, you want to get more involved in filmmaking and things like that. You're, you're doing production producing mm-hmm. right now. Um, is that with like hard type of film? Is that, you know, what, where do you see that leading to in the future? Well, the, we're producing a short, uh, with, I have a writer, his name is, uh, Miles Douglas Garrett. He's a kid I went to college with and he wrote this short script and I really liked it. And I was like, let's produce it. And it's horror. It is about a guy who gets uh, cheated on and he decides to take revenge on those who uh, who wronged him. And it's only like five, six minutes long, I think, when, once we finally edit it all. And I'm really hoping that once we have that, it's a portfolio builder so we can build – so we can keep building on it. Um, I would love to just start doing more like almost like a series um, that are like have – I want everything that I ever put my hands on to be connected to the other thing. Like I'm, there are going to be Easter eggs that we're planting in this short film that might not lead anywhere. Yeah. And you won't know it, but I'm putting them in. Like I have it that planned out. Like even if it's a simple like thing, like an object or a painting, it's going to be in the short film. And I'm like, we're going to pull that and we're going to bring it to the next one we do. If we do another one. But I love things like creep show uh, are you afraid of the dark? Oh my gosh. Are you afraid um, of the dark? Yes. Yeah. That was my childhood and, um, beyond belief factor fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to do something like that where it's like an anthology that yeah. I love anthologies. Um, creep show, the mortuary collection, trick or treat. Um, I, I love that kind of horror as well. So I, if, if I have my way, I would like to grow and do that. Yeah. I, uh, I I have such a respect for that because it takes so much time and effort and planning and work. Uh, it's really, really challenging. And I know when I write my own scripts and I'm actually working on like a trilogy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished a four script volume series, like four different volumes. And 
it's so much work because you have to constantly be thinking about the other films and the other mm-hmm. scripts and how how are you connecting things and it's so easy to get off topic and get off and you're like no 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 I have to connect things I have to connect mm-hmm. things but you also have to build the story so it's really kind of challenging um, but I love that you mentioned Are You Afraid of the Dark because that was directly part of my childhood like yeah. I still quote it I still think about it um, you know for a long time I owned a shirt that said submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society mm-hmm. you know like that was so ingrained in my mind like and I remember watching and some of the episodes you know watching back you're like okay this is clearly they they weren't up to their best on this one but some of them I still watch back I'm like man this is freaky <laughs> this mm-hmm. is still really creepy stuff um, do you remember the ghastly grinner yes my favorite one the ghastly grinner the ghastly I, grinner okay so for my audience out there please DM email whatever comment uh, do you remember are you afraid of the dark the ghastly grinner what episodes do you remember from that show what impacted you I 100% remember the ghastly grinner mm-hmm. just I remember the costume. I remember the colors. Everything about it. Um, I remember the recurring character, Mister Sardo. Yep, with the dough, you know, Mister mm-hmm. <laughs> Sardo. Uh, but there, that was really interesting because of those connections. They had mm-hmm. reoccurring characters, yep. reoccurring themes and segments. Um, one that always stuck out to me was like the the little boy that was cold, and he would just stand outside and say, "I'm cold." Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, is the free?" And he was just looking for his jacket, and then he gets his jacket and he leaves, and you're like, "Oh, okay." Um, so it was always interesting. Some of them were genuinely like, oh, this is really freaky. But the majority of Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes, I think why they worked for me, at least as a kid, was most of these things were either born of their evil because they were abused or taken advantage of or mm-hmm. something, or there was just confusion. You know, there was one about the old lady that lived in the apartment and the girl like moved into the building and met her and then find out the old lady was dead. Mm-hmm. And she was like really scared and everything. And then she just realized that the old lady was just looking for a friend. She was lonely. Yep. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then some of them, like the ghastly grinner, there was just an awful, awful creature, right? There was a there was one about like a spoiled kid. He was and they had to get his mom a birthday present. It was this little clown and the clown came, like kept growing and becoming evil. I remember that one. Uh, one that sticks out to me, the most horrifying one, was the one about the basement monster that yep. the kid had to feed the bully mm-hmm. to. And that doll in in the in the doorway, that thing was terrifying. Yeah. I remember that giving me nightmares. I know. Are You Afraid of the Dark was able to be marketed to children and frighten children and adults liked it. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, all of Nickelodeon. I, I during the 90s in particular just hit it out of the park for me with you know legends of the hidden temple um you know wild and crazy kids hey dude salute your shorts clarissa explains it all mm-hmm. like there was just so many amazing shows during that nick arcade all uh, that was snl all for that kids. yes that's and exactly, keenan thompson is on snl now <laughs> right like the for like 12 or 13 years yep. he's been on that but that's exactly what all that was it it was snl for kids you know it made mm-hmm. sense you know you had these these people that were coming in that were the same age as us mm-hmm. and they were doing this comedy on this huge world stage. And it used to make me think like, man, I could do that. Mm-hmm. Like that person's my age. I could do that, you know? So it kind of gave hope to like kids. Um, and f- one of the biggest things for me was when I would watch movies as a kid, it was like my environment, my surrounding, you know, whether I wanted the lights on or off or whether I wanted to be by myself or have people with me, if I was going to be really afraid. And then also like, you know, what, 
what was I snacking on? What food, you know, was I eating? Because I, I'm very fascinated by that, about what people choose to snack on while they're watching movies. I feel like I, a friend of mine did like an actual research thing into that, about what people prefer to eat while they're watching movies, mm-hmm. and then how that correlates to how they responded to the movie. Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, so do you have any particular snacks or foods that you like while watching movies? Well, it depends. Are we talking about theater or at home? That's a great question. So let's do both. What do you What do you get at the theater? Okay, theater, popcorn and raisinets, 100%. Oh, okay. I like that, the confidence. And then uh, at home, I've been, for some reason, I've been going to get-go and just getting some Ben and & Jerry's there, and then I just mean, going to watch a movie. There you go. Like, you, you got to know what you're about, right? And it just it just always happens to be like, I'm like, I'll just get Ben & Jerry's. It's yeah, never wrong to me. Yeah, right. Ben & Jerry's <laughs> never betrays me. Um, they, they always know exactly what I'm feeling. Um, yeah, for me, it was always Reese's Pieces. That was mm-hmm. always my movie theater candy, 100%. Um, and then at home, what I found was, interestingly enough, at home, I would just do nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm just very, when I'm watching a film, I'm extremely focused on the film, Mm -hmm. uh, especially for the first time. I'm one of those people don't, don't just be talking and don't ask questions. What do you think of this? I'm like, just, just stop and watch the movie. Like Mm -hmm. just watch the movie. Uh, Do you like quiet and darkness when you're watching a movie or are you a chatter? Do you like the lights? Like, how do you watch films? I if, if I'm watching a movie for the first time, nine out of ten, I'm watching it by myself. I, I can't watch mo- new movies with people because, like, sometimes I'll watch stuff with my dad only if he wants to watch it, but usually he just falls asleep. But if there's a bunch of people and I've never seen the movie and it's something I like, my, my I, I want to focus on, I'll literally just I'll cut out and I'll be like, I'll watch this another time and I'll add it yeah. to a queue. Um, but if it's a movie like Army of Darkness that I've seen like eight billion times, I'll show to people like, yeah, laugh all you want. Yeah, it doesn't Stay matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, are you super interested in the behind the scenes trivia of films? Like what goes on in the deleted scenes and the outtakes and the behind, cause I may, when I, after I watch a film, I love to hit like IMDB trivia and things mm-hmm. like that. I love to, you know, YouTube behind the scenes of movies. I love seeing that behind the scenes stuff. Is that something that you're into? I literally only buy physical media to watch deleted and or special or commentary. Do you think that's a, do you think that's a kind of a old school mentality way of doing things or you know have you always been that way because for me it's been that way since i was a kid i always wanted to know what was going on behind the scenes and i find that creators are a lot like that people that like to create like you and i Mm -hmm. um because i i know people that are not kind of quote-unquote creators Mm -hmm. and they they have no interest in the behind they're like okay that was just a movie whatever moving on and i'm like don't you want to know how this person was cast and why they made the choices with their costume like and they're like no i'm good (laughs) and i'm like okay that's not me at all so how you know what 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 was that like for you when i was younger when we didn't have access to like the internet or like stuff like that but once i got older uh when i started finding things i really liked for like i have broken down evil dead and evil dead 2 and army of darkness down to like the minimalist detail i'll listen to any interview i'll read any article i love breaking stuff down and now as an adult like for instance i just um the movie malignant loved it yeah Literally, that I watched on HBO Max, went out the next day, and I bought the DVD so I could literally just watch special features because I wanted to know how. I could have easily watched it on YouTube, but I liked it enough where I'm like, I'm going to put this on my shelf. Yeah. And I'll go back to it. Yeah. Um, so 
especially, you know, going back to like Evil Dead, for instance, I, I wanted to know the specifics of the model of chainsaw they used in Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness and how they built that prop. So it wasn't until the 25th anniversary came out with this documentary where they showed how they filmed it in a, it was a, an abandoned high school. Oh, that's and cool. I didn't know they that. They built the cabin interior set in the gymnasium, like two stories. It was literally the basement on the floor, first Whoa. floor, and then the top of the cabin um, in the second floor. And then in their high school chemistry class was where uh, KB effect, KMB effects with like Greg Nicotero, they had their little like, that's where they made their molds. That's where they did their makeup. And that's where they built the chainsaw. And it was the little details wow. they added to the chainsaw. Uh, this like little grill piece was only made so it could cover a logo. And yet really? it's now part of the, the silhouette of the prop. It's this little circle with a bunch of lines in it, and it's three-dimensional, and they only made it to cover a logo. See, that's the kind of stuff that fascinates me. That's the stuff that like, I feel like I live for. Um, when you get those like behind-the-scenes little nuggets, those Easter eggs, for me, it makes me feel more connected to the product. It makes me mm -hmm. feel more connected to the film, and it makes me feel more connected to other fans, mm -hmm. you know? Um you know, so speaking of fans, I'm curious about this. Have you ever been to any, you being so big into like Evil Dead, any like conventions, comic cons, mm -hmm. things like that? What is that like for you when you go there? For me, especially if the con, like for horror conventions, some of them are themed. So I went to an Evil Dead one um, and I met Ellen Sandvice, who played Cheryl in Evil Dead one. And I met um, the woman that played Linda and the woman who played Shelly, and their names are just slipping me right now. I just wanted to be Ellen. That was the big one I wanted to meet. And it's it's so cool being surrounded by fans who are the same fan as you. So with Evil Dead, because it's so like it's the our community is kind of smaller, it's so cool being around people who like that. Especially at the convention, Tom Sullivan, who was the prop maker who made like the Necronomicon and stuff like that. Yeah. He was there with his museum with screen used props. So getting to be like two or three inches from the screen used Necronomicon. It's it's exhilarating. Yeah, that's incredible. I've I've only ever I think I've been to one. Yeah, it was one Comic Con years ago, but it was it it wasn't for it wasn't for me. I, mm -hmm. I went as a guest, uh, and it was heavily into like the world of anime and stuff like that. Okay, and that was not a thing. I never the only anime I'd ever seen up until that point was Akira, um, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Akira, I think, is just an incredible piece of art. I love that film, um, and it's it's something that I feel very very passionate about. But I never watched any shows, mm -hmm. anything like that. Are you into anime? Do you ever watch anime? Anything like just that? abridged when somebody recommends it, like Helsing abridged. My one friend made fun of me. I have a Boondock Saints tattoo, and he goes, "Oh, you ever seen Helsing abridged?" He goes, "Just watch it." And it just makes fun of people who like the Boondock Saints. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh." Yeah. You were bullying me. I get it, but <laughs> well, it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just finished Death Note. Okay. Um, and that was really, really wild. So a few years ago, I think it was Netflix, made the, the, live action the movie mm -hmm. Death Note. So I watched it, and I thought it was a terrible film uh, without knowing the story. Mm -hmm. I Just from a purely film standpoint, I was like, this is stupid. I don't like this at all. Like, I just did not like it at all. And then I just finished the show Death Note. And the show is phenomenal. It's mm -hmm. so, so good. And then I rewatched the film again. And I went, maybe I'll... I like the film even less now. Okay. So the film angers me even more because they they take this, like, 37-episode thing and they 
crack it down into an hour and 45 minutes they come they do that thing where they combine characters mm-hmm. and i'm like no stop you know they they take entire things about like so here's some spoiler alerts if anybody out here listening if you haven't seen death note i'm going to talk about death note so you can fast forward like 30 seconds or whatever but one of the biggest things about death note is the main character light he's a genius he's a genius 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 like he's so his intellect is so above everybody else around him mm-hmm. he outsmarts people so quickly he's ahead of everybody and then they made the live action film and that's not what light it is at all he's just a kid he's a normal kid mm-hmm. and i'm like okay cool so you took away the one thing that makes him a challenge of why he doesn't get caught because he's a genius right you took that away immediately so I was like, okay. And then they took a female character who was very loyal to him in the show, like like unapologetically, ridiculously tunnel vision focused loyal. Mm-hmm. And she's a treacherous betrayer in the show, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, so super loyal in the show, betrays him every chance she can get in the movie. He's a genius in the show, and that's what keeps him ahead of the police and mm-hmm. not getting caught. In the show, he's just a, in the movie, he's just a normal kid. That's Nat Wolf's character? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. And I'm and I'm like you're, you're taking everything about the show and you're just changing it. You're mm-hmm. morphing it. And like the character of L in the movie, you know, he's just this guy that's a little bit mysterious and eats a bunch of junk food and he's really smart. Well, in the show, he's so much more of a developed character and why he doesn't want to be in the public eye is explained and why he eats like junk food constantly is explained and why he's so obsessed with catching this is and none of that is like explained in the movie. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it just it fell about as flat and hard as it could possibly. Um, have you ever experienced any adaptations of comic books, show whatever it may be, where somebody has redone it or reorganized or relooked at, and um, both sides of it? Have you ever experienced it where you're like, oh, this isn't that bad, or where you've seen it and you're like, why does this exist? Um, I was never really big in, as I said, in anime, but like I know for a fact that like Dragon Ball Z fans don't talk about that movie. Yeah, and I remember going Super to see. Whitewashed. I remember going seeing. Well, yeah. I was. What was that? Came out like two thousand. I was young. Yeah, I yeah. was younger when it. Came I remember out. seeing it in theaters and be like, oh, I should watch Dragon Ball Z. This yeah. is this is kind of cool. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't really like this kind of style of storytelling. Yeah, and I kind of like. I'll, I'll I'll sometimes mention. Oh, I own Dragon Ball Evolution on Blu-ray. I spent three dollars at it. And like I think big lots. And <laughs> like I like that movie. I'll throw it in. It's kind of fun. Yeah, and yeah. people were like, "What? <laughs> How dare you?" Exactly. Yeah. But the only time I think I've ever been offended, um, back in, I think it was 2009 or 10, my mom bought me, uh, she was at Barnes & Noble buying like a, somebody a, a present and she's like, she saw this book and she was like, this screams Josh to me. And she bought me um, Seth Graham Smith's Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah. That book I did not put down and I've probably read it now six or seven times. Like, it's just a fun book for me. Yeah. The movie comes out, directed by uh, Timor uh I can't pronounce his last name, but he directed Wanted. Mm -hmm. And Wanted is a visually stunning film based off a comic book. So I was really excited to see this adaption. And Seth Graham Smith wrote the screenplay, and he butchered his own work. The movie is nothing like the book, because the book literally spans his entire life up to his assassination. And he fills Civil War, like stuff we don't know about the Civil War, with vampire mysticism. Like at one point, Lincoln meets Edgar Allan Poe. And it's, they were in town, a certain city at the same time, but in real life, they never met. But in this one, they did. And the detail is immaculate. But then you get to the movie and it's just like action. Yeah. Vampires are like really kind of like CGI'd. Yeah. And like even, um, 
John Wilkes Booth, who kills Lincoln, is in the book. He's a big character in the book. There is no villain. They created a villain for the movie. His name is Adam. And I walked out of the theater about an hour into the movie. I just couldn't do it. Wow. And it took me till the movie came out on DVD to actually watch it. Yeah. Walkout is a huge thing. I, I want to talk about something real quick that kind of that you just mentioned, because you also work in this world too with props and stuff. Um, are you as much as possible old school practical prop? Are you in favor of CG or are you in favor of combination of both? Combination of both. Yeah. It really depends. Like, because certain, like, uh, certain objects can't do what you hope they do. Uh, for like, uh, again, nerding out, the chainsaw in Evil Dead has to be, like, especially when they use it for Ash Evil Dead, has to be lightweight. It has to do a certain things and then it's got to move. But how do you move a chainsaw that doesn't have an engine inside and somebody's, like, huge hand is in it? So CGI blade looks really cool and yeah. sometimes it's practical. I don't mind. I love prop work, especially think of a, I think one of the most famous props in movie history, I can go with two, the lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. It has evolved. It used to, like, the first lightsaber that was made was Anakin, well, it becomes Anakin's lightsaber, but it's Luke's lightsaber that's given to him in A New Hope. And that was made from a um, a thing, a flasher, like a camera flasher for an old school camera, like the actual, like, outside of it. And they modified it to make it look like what it know, is known as the lightsaber. And... Now you have lightsabers that are like 3D printed and they design them specifically. Like think of Ray's new lightsaber. That's yeah. literally her staff. Yeah. And that's really cool. I don't get me wrong. And then you have props like the proton pack from Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah. Where legendary. In the original 80s film, I think it's either Ray says, Turn me on. And literally, I think it's uh Peter is behind him and he just nudge, uh lifts his arm up. There's nothing happening, but you hear the sound. And then you have movies like Ghostbusters Afterlife, where she says, turn me on, and the little boy flips a switch that was never on the original prop. But because the prop makers are so dedicated to their craft, they created a switch that would make sense on the Proton Pack. I don't know if you've seen Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have you? Uh, I just love in the movie Jason Reitman is, is specifically like, let me get as close up to this prop as I can to show like and, and if, like for me, I'm fangirling. I'm like, look at the detail on that PKE meter. It's it looks like it's aged, yeah, yeah. like forty odd years. Yeah, a hundred percent. I um they I watched a really cool behind the scenes of that where they were talking about with one of the prop people, the costume people, Ben Eady. They were oh yeah yeah Ben Eady is the prop maker of and then the costume guy. I I don't know his name, but he got like screen accurate stitching of the costumes but ben ed did all the props yeah absolutely it was the the stitching where he said you know how how detailed he studied the original like Mm -hmm. suit and everything and like the patchwork and everything like that Mm -hmm. and to make it look aged and all that and he was just like oh yeah this is like what i did for a long time i just studied and studied Mm -hmm. and focused and that type of stuff makes me so happy and like in the in the kitchen of the house they have the toaster from the original you know where they put the slot like that that stuff those little tiny easter eggs for the real fans because you see that wide of the kitchen and it's like you pause and you go what can I find in this mm-hmm. kitchen? Because the cabinets are all open and stuff. And you're like, I know they're trying to show me some stuff. Mm-hmm. I just need to find it. And then you look on the counter and you see like the toaster and you're just like, oh my gosh, that's the toaster from the original. Like that type of stuff. It's almost like the tip of the cap to fans. Mm-hmm. You know, I am 
I am all about that. As long as they don't beat you over the head with it, yeah. I like to actually have to hunt for things. I like to have to like look for things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I really dig that kind of stuff when they do those little like nods to fans. I for Ghostbusters Afterlife. I, I I waited till it came out on Blu-ray so I could buy it, and then like Adam Savage on Tested did all this because he actually made yeah, the I watched um, that, yeah. The uh, I forget what they're called. The Death Whistles. Mm-hmm. Adam Savage made those for the film, so that's his little part of the movie. But yeah. like, he built proton packs for himself while the movie was being made. He was always on set. Blah blah blah. And I've watched all that content because that's amazing. Yeah. But then you get the special features of the actual film and how they did like the RTV with Ben Eady, like putting a trap on an RC where somebody thought of that. That would be cool. And then like the gunner seat on the Ecto One in the movie yeah. is inspired by the toy. Yeah. From the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. Where they're like, can we do this? And yeah. instead of putting on top, like, the toy, they're like, no, let's make a gunner seat. Yeah, on the side. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff I think is really incredible when they almost take inspiration from fans and when they, you know, do the do the nods to the original and all of that. I think it was really smart. It was just a smart mm-hmm. – it, it was a smart kind of approach to things. I, I love when they were talking about how the original proton packs were so heavy in mm-hmm. the originals. Like it was like they somebody joked of like you had to like work out to be a Ghostbuster to carry those <laughs> things around all day. And then the new ones are of course very light yep. and you can just like throw them on, you know. But they still look really heavy, mm-hmm. you know. And the evolution of design costume makeup everything over the years is really incredible but there are still old school pieces of work that that hold up so strong and so true today i was just talking to somebody the other day about old age makeup mm-hmm. and how difficult it is to do um now i i haven't done it personally but i know people that work in makeup and, mm-hmm. and props and stuff and how difficult it is to do you know and i think of examples like um you know uh from the exorcist like father Marin from the exorcist mm-hmm. like um maxido was like um, you know, like 41, 40, 41 when the movie was made and he's supposed to look like he's like 70 and he does. He looks like an old man mm-hmm. and it's really amazing makeup or like F. Murray Abraham and Amadeus is really incredible or even Winona Ryder in Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. When the film starts, she looks super old that the veins in her hands and everything and her skin, like she looks really, really old and Winona Ryder was like 20 or something when that mm-hmm. movie was made. Um, So do you have any kind of... um? direct experience knowledge all that with like different types of effects and props when it comes to that type of stuff like what type of prop knowledge do you work with and have and what have you seen and experienced like on set or behind the scenes stage that kind of stuff well um my job currently uh i will be leaving in the summertime i'm the prop master for tecumseh the outdoor drama and last uh last year last summer into october i was the prop master for their production of the passion of dracula which we built the show in two weeks and we put on the show and it was professional caliber. Like I had a professional budget and everything. So I was like, I, I, I had at that point I had not had like, I never, someone was like, build something. And I'm like, what do you want me to build? They'll give me like, I think one instance I had to build a transfusion machine that could be on stage that looks like it's pumping blood. So I had to build that. And you know, if you don't have like, a certain caliber of like medical stuff or no stuff about medical stuff you have to like look into. Then you have time period. Then you have, where's the leeway for fictional. So I remember the director was like, I like this. And it was not a real object. It was made for a movie. It was like a steampunk vampire movie. And she just liked the way it looked. So I took that as inspiration and I saw, I looked at like different websites of like material. And then eventually I found these like 
They're for people who have plants inside of their house. They're like little squirters for water. Yeah. They were red. They looked really cool. They looked very Venetian, very fancy. And I put this little, I got this little wooden box. I glued them on top of them. And then I steampunked the entire box. And it had like real rubber tubing that connected to a um, piece of white fabric that could snap onto each of the actor's arms. So it looked like I was pumping blood from one into the other. And I think for anything that's like in theater or movies, it's all about collaborating. So I, I don't know how to sew. So I had to go to the costume person. I'm like, I need bandages that can snap off and can connect to a hose. So her name was Juliana Speakman, and she was the costumer. She made these bandages that could snap on like a bracelet. And then I had a way to feed this rubber latex tube in it so the actors could come on stage wearing it. And I'm just looking like I'm pumping. I was the actor that actually had to handle this prop too. So I'm pumping their blood. And every night people were like, oh, that thing looks really cool. It was only on stage for maybe three minutes. Wow. Three minutes tops. And I it took me a week to make this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of things like that in in the the both theater world and the filmmaking world and television world where somebody will work on a prop or something like that or or a garment or a design for months, you know, days, weeks, months, whatever it is, and it gets, you know, thirty seconds of screen time. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Yeah, that was all I did for like four months and it was on, you know, stage or screen or whatever for thirty seconds and I I think that's a really incredible thing because that shows collaboration more than anything. Mm -hmm. Realizing that your individual thing is not the most important thing, no matter Mm -hmm. how hard you work on it, it's about the whole, it's about the whole product. And if they took your one thing that you worked on that was on stage for a very little amount of time, but you take that completely out of the show and it changes the whole show, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't have that one, Oh wow, that's really neat. You know, Mm -hmm. aspect of the show, you would have taken that away. So I really like when people can kind of put their egos aside and say, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm part of a whole. It's not about me. It's not about showcasing this or that. But like I can showcase what I can do as still being kind of part of that whole. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really kind of incredible thing. And, and you're right. It's all about collaboration. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, having respect for different departments, having good relationships with people so that you can go to them and say, hey, I need you to do this. Or, hey, can you do this? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that's – and that type of thing I think is really amazing. Um do you do you see yourself continuing to you know work on on theater and stuff like that, or you know do you want to do movie stuff more, YouTube stuff more? Do you want to continue to do everything? I like to live. I like to live my life not knowing what tomorrow's going to bring. Um, for me, having a contract, and especially in today's like COVID world, post COVID world in theater, is a blessing. Um, being able to be on the stage for the 50th anniversary of Tecumseh, is, it, to me, it is an honor, especially I've, I've known about Tecumseh. And I, I, the first time I saw Tecumseh was in 2014 and being on stage, I was on stage in 2016 and then this past year, and then I'm going to be on the 50th. Um, it's a complete honor for me. And I, I'm so glad that I do have a contract ready for me, but past that, I don't know what I'm doing. I have some things lined up in theater that are it's at the community level and then i might have some professional stuff uh after that um but i'm so excited just to like see what life brings me like right now backyard zombie i think is at like 105 subs which isn't like it's cool that's really cool but if i ever get to like the big numbers that's cool too yeah. so I'm, I'm just excited for the ride yeah i love that um 
Josh, thank you so much for coming on, for doing this. Um, for the listeners out there, it's Backyard Zombie 2021 is his Instagram, Backyard Zombie Productions mm-hmm. for YouTube. Um, so you can check him out there. I definitely recommend doing that. Um, reach out to him. I'm putting you out there for any collaborations, questions, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're good to, yeah. Um, but I, I thank you for coming on. Um, before I let you go, five question Q&A. Are you Let's ready? Let's do it. All right. Uh, favorite late night snack? Ooh, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, good one. Classic. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, what is a dream vacation of yours? Ooh, going to Seattle to see uh, the Funko headquarters and just seeing like where they filmed Twilight because that'd be cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Uh, what is something that makes you sad? That Elton John has not released the cast album for Lestat the Musical. It's been not, it's been uh, it came out in 2006. Release the cast album. You've recorded it. I know you have it. I that's maybe the best <laughs> answer I've ever gotten. <laughs> uh, what is something that makes you happy? Um, chainsaws from Evil Dead. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. I love it. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Stop thinking. Just start doing. Yeah. I love that. Josh, thank you so much for being on. This was really cool. Um, This was a great back in person, my first one in quite a long time in person. So super excited. Once again, uh, Josh of Backyard Zombie Productions. You can find him at Backyard Zombie 2021 on Instagram. Check him out there. Um, I thank you for doing this, my friend. And uh, I look forward to seeing kind of what happens next with you for sure. Thank you for having me. And also, let's do that podcast where we just talk about Cabin in the Woods. Yes. I would be here Uh, in a heartbeat. Cabin in the Woods. Um, Once again, for everybody listening, if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, see it. Let us know your thoughts. Reach out. If you don't like it, you're wrong, but still reach out. Um, No, but yeah, we could do a whole one on that too. Uh, Anytime. You say say what – honestly, we should have a drunk talk about Cabin in the Woods. Let's just do it. Cabin in the Woods is – just the way they do okay pump more pheromone into and you're like what um (laughs) there's just there's so many amazing things about that film four Uh, is in it just watch it yeah just watch yeah exactly um but no this was really cool josh Uh, thanks for coming on and uh i look forward to seeing what happens next thank you you, man thank you for having me absolutely uh so for everybody out there listening if this is your first time here welcome if you're a returner welcome back and regardless of where you're coming from good morning good afternoon good evening and i'll catch you on the next episode